My grandmother and grandfather were married for many years. And as you know, with a grandmother and a grandfather or any marriage, there gets to be little habits along the way. And my grandfather was, uh, yeah, there's laughing people out there because they know, right? <laughs> my grandfather uh, had this little habit, and I heard it oftentimes with my grandmother, but then I began to hear it with a lot of other people as I paid close attention. My grandmother or anyone would ask him a question, uh, something like, do you think it's going to snow tomorrow? And his invariable response is, huh? That's it. That's his start. And it, so you would repeat the words, do you think it's going to snow tomorrow? And he may start and answer you, or he may say, huh, again. So you might have a discourse with him, short as it might be, and then about one minute later, uh, so what are we going to do today? Are we going to, huh? So... At the first time when I was watching my grandfather, I thought it was just this, that he was distracted and in his own world. And that may have been true oftentimes. Uh, he often was off into his own little world in his mind, for sure. And I thought, well, that's all it is. And he's just never paying attention to anybody. And every time he says, huh, that means, oh, I should come out of my world and go into your world maybe for a second. But it isn't going to be long before I drift back into my own world. I thought that for a long time. But then I watched and carefully paid attention. Now, my grandfather loved birds more than anybody else probably in the world. He loved every bird every color, every size. He watched the birds. He listened to the birds. He could identify birds. Just flying overhead, he'd see a wing pattern and say, oh, that's a whatever, McGanzer. Okay? He could do that. He knew them by their sounds. He knew them by their shapes. He knew them by their colors. He knew what times of the year they would nest. And you could always get him to talk about birds. You could always get him to identify a bird, no matter where you were. He always loved to have that conversation. In fact, my parents are just going through hours and hours and hours of videotapes and slides of birds. Just hours. And I don't mean a half an hour. I mean 14 hours of a bird watching it. <laughs> it's riveting, folks. It's riveting. Uh, <laughs> So what I know is his love for birds would never have him, when you asked him, he would always be able to answer you about that. But I remember very clearly one day asking him, what's that bird? Now, I couldn't see it, but it was somewhere up in a tree. And he looked at me and he said, I don't hear any bird. And then I knew there might be more to it than just distraction. Oftentimes he had that habit of distraction. Huh? And the rest of the time I think maybe he really just didn't hear at all. Well, whichever type it was, I guess we may never know totally. But today in our text we're going to learn about a hearing problem. We've been going through 
the Gospel of Mark. We're going to go to Mark chapter number 4. We talk about the life of Jesus and the things that he uh, tells us, the stories and all the different things that we come upon. Jesus is one of those great storytellers. So Mark chapter number 4, as we look at a hearing problem, there seems to be a hearing problem in this text And Jesus was never, there was never anybody better in the world than Jesus at being a communicator. He could take a very complex idea, put it into a simple story form that was understood by everyone, and leave everyone with turned heads thinking about what it all meant. And he'd do that in a few short sentences. He was the king of all communication, he was the word of God. And so he was always short and he was always to the point. After all, brevity is the soul of wit. But more than that, he got to the heart of his hearers. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 as we see what he does as he tells this story and so easily is able to connect things to us and touch his audience in a very unique way. All sorts of people from all walks of life are touched by Jesus. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about his simple stories and what they mean. The depth of what they really mean in our life. He connects to all kinds of people. So here he is in front of a very large crowd... Uh, In Mark chapter number 4, verse number 1, as we start in the Gospel of Mark, verse number 1. And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, and behold, oh, and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. So he's standing next to a big crowd, and... He is looking out on that crowd. Now, if you've never spoken in front of a large crowd of people, then you may not know the thoughts that go through your head before you speak. When you look out on an audience of people, you look and say, what are they thinking? What could they be thinking about what I'm saying? Are they even thinking about what I'm saying? You wonder if what you say does any good, You wonder what their thoughts are, what they're uh, focused on, what will catch their attention. And Jesus, no doubt, looks on the crowd and says, knowing a bit more uh, than I ever do, for sure, he looks out and looks at the minds of the people. And he's able to express something in a very simple way. So let's see what he says to the crowd gathered by the seaside. Uh, Again, Mark chapter 4, verse number 2. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, that's listen, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not so much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. 
and the other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus looks out and he's telling a familiar story. Almost everybody in their lives at one point has either seen somebody sowing seeds or has personally done it. As he looks out, and no doubt where he grew up, where he was, is no different. Everybody's seen a seed. They understand what happens. And as they watch, you think about the way they used to spread seed is grab a handful and look to spread it as far and wide and evenly as they could. That was their goal of a sower of seeds or a farmer. I've done it with grass seed, and I'm terrible at this, okay? So when I do it, there's like strips of grass out there. So I finally bought one of those things so I could spread it, and it actually worked. Uh, I use a lot more seed, but it <laughs> seems to grow where it's supposed to. So it's one of those very simple things that we can understand. And Jesus watched it also. Everybody's looked at it, and everybody's seen this very simple concept. When you throw seeds out there, if you don't dig up and get the rocks out of the place and you throw them in the middle of the road, you're not going to grow things. People know that. If you've ever tried to grow anything, you do your very best to prepare all the soil just right, put all the fertilizer down, put everything down and get it right, and still it might not grow. But you do your very best to try to get everything out of the way. You don't just throw it on the roadside and hope for the best and walk away. Because it just doesn't grow there. And Jesus tells this very simple story. He notices the very thing. He notices as people walk by, kind of throw it on the edge of the road. And he notices that there's rocky spots. And he notices that there's spots where the weeds keep growing up. That's my problem. We plant our garden. And we built these nice raised beds to try to get them away from the weeds. I don't know what happens, but the weeds grow way faster than anything else we ever plant. They're six feet high. Well, we brought in the nine-foot-high weed last year just to try to do something. <laughs> but he watched all these things, and then he said, there's also some seeds that hit the ground and grow. And even with that, you see differences. My garden might not grow a 100-pound pumpkin. Seems like years and years in a row, I used to try to go against Brad and Sally, and every time he'd come in with a 100-pound pumpkin, where did you grow this thing? For sure, every ground is different. And Jesus looks at that and tells that to the crowd, tells that simple story to the crowd. Now, as he looks out, as you first hear the story, you think, well, the main character of it, the only character, is the sower. But Jesus takes a very unique twist in this story. He tells the entire story. It's all very simple to understand. And then at the very last part of the story, when you think, well, there's a, it's a story about a sower who sows seed. It is. But the main character is not the sower. The main character are those sitting in the audience. That's how Jesus takes one simple phrase and he says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And he looks out at the crowd, no doubt with penetrating eyes, 
as Jesus can because he understands his audience better than anyone. He knows who's sitting in the audience. He knows the things in their hearts. And though I sit and wonder about what you're thinking, maybe you're thinking about the turkey dinner you have or what's going to burn in the oven or you have to go wash your socks or something, I don't know. But Jesus knows exactly the things that people are thinking. And so he turns this story back around and says, this is really about you. Can you listen? Are you hearing this? It was a story about hearers, not about a sower. About the audience itself. The congregation, those who are sitting, those who have congregated together, those who are sitting and listening, that's what it's about. And he asked the people, how's your hearing? Are you listening? Can you understand this? What happens? So we see those things, and he sows those, uh, those things out there. And verse number 14, he begins to explain to his disciples what this story is really about. Verse number 14, the sower soweth the word. Very short sentence. It just simply means the sower, the person who's out there, is a speaker, is a teacher is a preacher, is one who lives amongst people and gives ideas out to them, ideas about God, about God's Word. You can be a sower in your job. You can be a sower in your home. You can be a sower in the grocery store. You can be a sower when someone does not serve you well somewhere at a restaurant. You can sow seeds anywhere you go. So you have that opportunity to be a sower and talk about God's word and live that out and use words and get it out to those people around you. But when you sow seeds, you expect something back. If a farmer put down an entire crop every single year and said, well, I'm not expecting to get anything out of it, after a while they'd say, Maybe I'm in the wrong business, right? I might be in the wrong business if I'm able to put down a bunch of corn seeds in the ground and I never grow anything but big, tall stalks of corn with no ears on them. I'm looking for fruit. I'm looking for it to grow. And you put that one seed in the ground, and what you get out of it is hopefully at least one big ear, if not more, with many, many seeds on it. So it's a simple idea, but we're back to the problem. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the ground that it falls on. Verse number 15. <clears throat> and they that are by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So Jesus talks about it going thrown to the wayside, kind of on the roadside, and the birds come and take it away immediately. And I've had that. Birds land in my garden and dig it up, and I go try to chase them away, and they're back in 10 minutes, right? Satan wants to get it out of you as fast as he can. If there's any way that he can just remove it from you, the Word of God, before it has any chance to touch you in any way, that's his ultimate, easiest way. 
get right out of there. Right? Some hearers, when they sit and listen, don't seem to hear at all. They never heard a word. You ask them when they're driving home from church or that afternoon, they couldn't even tell you what the sermon was about. They couldn't tell you. They just seemed to be totally deaf to it. Huh? Don't know what happened. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Jesus said Satan came and snatched that right out before you ever had a chance for it to even hardly hit the ground, and it was gone. Those are people who would not hear, could not hear, refused to think about it. Satan does not want you to think about God's word because it just might do some good. Anything can distract you from that. Anything he can get you to do just not to let it take root so he can quick grab it out. He can get you frustrated about something. You can hear something on the radio on the way home could be a ball game it's all you can think about just so long as it doesn't get planted at all snatch it away and then there's a second another type of hearer verse number 16 and 17 and they and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground but who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. There's this next type of hearer where it hits on rocky ground, and shallow ground is often nice to spring up really nice plants. Shallow, rocky ground. It will spring up a really nice plant because it gets lots of nice warmth from the sun. And then it looks great, and this is going to do great. And then all of a sudden, it can't break through the rock, that rocky ground, and it just dies and it withers away. So very simply, oftentimes, and I've had people come up and say, I really enjoyed that sermon. I enjoyed what you said there. And that's great. I want people to enjoy the things that... That are said, I want people, but more so, I want it to take a deep root that will last in your life for a long time. I've also had people, after I preached a sermon once, not in this church, I preached a sermon, and a woman walked up to me, looked at me, and said, Well, that was different. And she left. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. You just don't know how people are going to react to this, but if there's no depth, if there's something that blocks and stops it, if they're on fire for God, it seems like for a few short weeks or months or even years and then things die out, you have to wonder, where's the root? If it doesn't take root in your life, if it hits rock, then nothing will ever grow. You'll never get any deeper. If you don't have the ability to continue, even in persecution, even in tough times, all right, we are not the first Christians to live through transitions and hard times in our country and in in the world. 
So instead, you want that, that root of yours, like a windblown tree, as, it's, as it grows and as it gets blown by the trees, it reaches deeper. It looks to get more. It wants deep roots because it knows when the wind blows harder, it's got to hang on tighter. And that's what you need in order to have depth as a Christian, not that rocky soil, nothing shallow. If you walk away and there's nothing deep in your life, if there's no decision made that I'm going to change something, if there's nothing in your life that says, I don't want to be the same anymore than I've been forever. I'm tired of the way that I've been living. If there's no decision with that, then the root of the word will just shrivel up and die. You have to decide you want it. And whatever it's going to take, you're going to get it. You're going to fight for it. And then your roots grow deep. So you draw from the strength of God the deeper your roots are. You You trust in him and your roots grow deeper. And you won't shrivel up and die. You've got to have something that motivates you. You've got to have something that your conscience says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to fight. I fell down. I messed up. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going because this is worth it. This is worth it in the end. Those are shallow hearers who didn't grasp the commitment required to follow God. You see how this is really not about the sower. This is all about the people listening. Verse number 18 and 19. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So these are people... They come in, and they want to hear, and they want to do something, want to learn, they want to grow, but there's just so much in their life. And I'll be the first to tell you, life is busy. You have school and work. Work is busy. It drains you. Friends, family, if you have a family that's growing, then you have folks that are older in your life. As you get to the other end of life, that takes time. All of those things take time. And then there are so many other distractions in the world. There are a million ways that we can be distracted. And I'm not saying any one of them is bad or evil on its own. Oftentimes we say, well, that's a good thing. I don't have any problem with it. What I have an issue with in my own life is if I let the busyness of my life eat up all my time, and use me all up so there's nothing left for God, then I will not have enough depth in my life. I'll grow, and then all the thorns will just be too big, and the weeds will go around me, and they will choke it out. It just happens. And you don't have to do a thing to grow a weed. Not a thing. All right? What you have to do is fight not to grow weeds. You have to fight and be purposeful about it and say, I won't let this get me. I won't let this take me down. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Oftentimes the things of life grab us and hold us 
And before we know it, they held us tighter and tighter and tighter. We, we were looking for something, something to make us happy. I heard about a boat that was on the side of the road. And that boat had a name, and that name was Dream Come True. And there was a for sale sign hung on it. The idea of happiness is not found in things. Happiness, those, those things that we try to seek after and get and fill our lives with, oftentimes will choke us out. So beware of this. The lust of things. The world is full of things. And they're very clever and very easy to grow. Thorns are everywhere. And the seeds then don't produce. In life like that, where you let your busyness take you over, your seeds don't produce. Your seeds just don't produce. And there you are. Verse number 20. There has to be someone else, right? There, we've, been, we've been hearing about all these other ways, the, all the bad things that happen, right? Things where we get choked out, we don't have a deep enough root, we land and Satan takes it away quick and we can't get uh, any depth in our life, we just don't have fruit. And yet, Jesus says there are ways to grow fruit. Are you listening? There are ways to grow fruit. But that word of God in your life will demand attention. You have to be in it. You have to put it in your life. You have to make it a priority. You have to make it a priority for your kids and you each and every day. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't make it a priority to tend to your ground, then you will fall prey to one of these other things. Make it a priority. And if you do make it a priority in your life, then maybe you can get over the hearing problem that we often have. Verse number 20, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. You can hear the sermon and have it change your life. You can go to God's word and dig in there and get something out of it. And it can grow not only in your life, but in the lives around you. See, the great thing about the seed is, is that as you allow it to grow, it makes many, many more seeds. And if those get planted, you continue to grow in other people's lives. The influence that you have, the relationships that you have, all of these things, you start to bear fruit. So what does that look like in your life? What does fruit look like? If you're really going to grow something, what does it look like? Well, it looks like love in your life, joy and peace in your life. And who doesn't want those things? Right? Those things make us happy in our life, make us satisfied and improve our lives. When that word also grows, it gives us patience, gentleness, and goodness. And those help us in our relationships to friends and family, the people around us in our jobs. If we have patience with those people around us, that's fruit that's growing in your life. 
in your marriage, in your family. And then there is faith. That's part of the growth that you see. And when faith grows, that's your relationship with God. And all these things grow at the same time in our lives. God is doing that. When you're tending to your ground, God is allowing that to grow in places and ways that you probably aren't even noticing at times what He's doing. And then meekness and self-control that improve our character. So the good fruit of all these things continue as God plants these things in our hearts. And if we tend the ground, if we're good hearers and good listeners, then they start to grow and we give off 30 times. I tell you, anybody listening, anybody who really wanted you to know about God's word, if the people that were listening to them all had... 30 times what they gave back, that they were growing 30 times the amount, he'd be thrilled with that. I'd be thrilled if our church were growing 30 times. But imagine putting twice as much out as that, 60 times. All the things that are happening, and then all those people go out into the community and touch people in their lives and do things in their lives, and it spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. That's what God meant to happen in this world. That was his plan for the church. Go out and plant seed. And so when you do that, you can get 30 times or 60 times, or even why not just go for the gusto, go for all of it, 100 times the amount, the more that you're willing to tend to your ground, to spend time in the Word of God, to spend time in prayer, to give yourself to, to God, the more He is willing to, to use you. If we're pottery in God's hands and we're flexible in our lives and we go where God pushes us and become what God wants us to become, then a hundred times he can give back into our lives. And we see the patience and the love and the kindness and all those things in our relationship. We get the benefits of it. It's a wonderful thing, and you see what God is doing. Jesus has twisted this little simple story, turned it back and said, well, it's not really about the sower, and it's not really about the seed. It's about you as a listener. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he hoped, and I hope, and we hope that we see those fruit in our lives. Some of them did. And in Jesus' day, they heard what he said, and they went out, and the gospel was preached around the world. Just his 12 disciples went out and preached in nations all across the world. Spread it hundreds and thousands of miles. So once again... Jesus looks out at the very end and says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The story is about listening. Are you a good listener? Are you hearing? And what's your ground like when it gets seeds? Does it grow? Or do you let other things choke and kill it in your life? Do I let those things choke things out in my life? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. May God bless you. 
in healthy, growing fruit in your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful for this, this word of God, and that it means so much to us. May it mean more to us in our lives. May we go to it more often. May we seek out what you have to say. Speak to our hearts and help us. Thankful, Help us be thankful for what we have and for you. May we be good listeners and grow great fruit, great crops of fruit. We ask for the help to do this in your name. Amen. You're welcome. Let's, uh, thank, uh, let's all turn over to page number 267. Standing together as we sing 267, Open My Eyes That I May See. Finishing up 267, Open My Eyes. Page 267. Open my eyes and Grateful for this day, thankful for the sunshine, and for all of your people that are in your house this day. And those who are listening out there, speak to our hearts and help us to have listening ears. Ears for your word. Ears that we may be tending to our own ground and ready to serve you in all the ways that we need. Protect these people, bring them back to this place, watch over them, we pray, wherever they go this week. And we are grateful for this and all these folks in this place and for your presence here. In your name, amen. amen. amen.